We all can have a seat. We're going to do something slightly different tonight to start out. Um, if you have a Bible, though, you can turn to Matthew chapter 5. We will get to Matthew chapter 5. But actually, I'm going to have uh, somebody pass out. Amy's passing out pencils. If somebody pass out um, index cards. Everybody would take an index card, take a pencil, something to write with. Uh, no, you cannot make paper of We've got something to use it for. So... Uh, so hopefully all of you will be getting an index card and a pen or pencil. If you don't have one that doesn't work, you can pass it down to somebody else. Uh, don't write anything on it yet. Don't write anything on it yet. Uh, clearly I hear some of you have the pens, so you can stop clicking those. I know you've got them. Uh, what, what I want you to do is I want you to think about what it is you want. What is it that you want? There, there could be a lot of things you want. It could be funny. It could be silly, right, more serious. But what I want you to do is write down things that you want on this card. And I want you to try to get more serious as you go. You might write down something funny, but then you realize, well, actually, I really want this or that. So spend some time. Write down what it is you want. You, you can write multiple things down, but just take some time to think about that. What do you want? And write it on the index card. You guys still need a little bit of time? You're good. Okay, now that you've written a few things, here's what I want you to try and do. And this is probably more difficult than just writing a, a couple things. I want you to try to underline the thing it is that you want most out of the things that you've written on that. So take some time and try and do that. If as we continue, you think of something else that you want more, or you, know, you can underline that, or you can write it on there. But I want you to have this index card as we go tonight. Now I'm going to read for us Matthew chapter 5. And we're doing specifically verse 6 tonight, but I'm going to read through the first six verses just so we can have the context. So would you guys stand up as I read God's word for us? This is what it says in Matthew chapter 5. Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. This is God's living and active word. Let me pray for us. Father, would you help us to understand what Jesus said when he said these words? Would you help us to understand what he meant? And would you help us to walk in your spirit as your children? I pray this in Jesus' name. 
Amen. Y'all can have a seat. If you feel like you're going to be tempted to click the pen, you can just put it underneath your chair, or you can put it down. I know I'm a pen clicker myself, so I understand that. Uh, I want you to think about a time when you've been hungry or thirsty. I, I have no doubt that everybody in here has been hungry or thirsty at some point, right? So I could do a show of hands, everybody's hand would go up. Who's been hungry or thirsty this week? Yeah. Again, most of, if not all, the hands. Okay. Uh, when you're hungry and thirsty, it just feels so bad, right? Like you just want food or you just want water. And the longer you go, the worse it gets, right? It's something we all understand. Even the people that Jesus was talking to understood that way back then. And they probably honestly understood it a little bit better than we did because we have a food security, right? We had food that we had tonight. You have food that you can go home to. You have water. You have water fountains, right? So even though we're hungry and thirsty, we know where we're getting food and water from. But it's interesting because nobody likes being hungry and thirsty, right? I mean, we like it when we then are filled with something, when we get water and we get food. But nobody likes the experience of being hungry and thirsty. So it's interesting that Jesus says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst. Because we might say, well, hunger, being hungry and thirsty does not seem good to us, does not seem blessed. So understand what he means and what he means by this verse. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. We're going to break it down into the same two parts as we've broken down all the other Beatitudes that we've done this fall. All these blessed are statements. First, who is blessed? And second, why are they blessed? So first, who is blessed? Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Okay. We've already, we've already talked about the idea of, of, of hungering and thirsting. Right? It means, here it means that you desire something strongly, that you really, really want it. If you're hungry, you're going to do whatever it takes to get food, right? If you're hungry, who here just goes and gets something to eat, if you can? Yes. If you're thirsty, who goes and finds water? Right. So if you desire something that strongly, you go after it, you pursue it. You do whatever you can to get that, especially if you've been hungry or thirsty for a while. I also get angry when I'm hungry. Is anybody else? Any people? Yes. Right. It's really difficult. Um, but what are the people in this verse hungry and thirsty for? It's not just blessed are people who are hungry and thirsty for anything, right? Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Okay, I'm going to take some answers. What, is, what do you think righteousness means? What do you guys think? Anybody can answer. What, what does righteousness mean? Being like, kind of in, in character, trying to yeah, trying to imitate God in character. Mm-hmm. What else? Yeah, Caleb. Walking with God. Walking with God. Mm-hmm. Walking with God, imitating God. Mm-hmm. Anything else that comes to mind? You think righteousness? It has the word right in it. If you look up a definition, it'll say something that's morally right or justifiable. We think about righteousness as the way life is supposed to go. Right, as the way things are meant to be. Uh, but it doesn't just mean morally right or justifiable in our own eyes, because I'm sure we've done things that we thought were okay and they made us look good, but actually weren't really righteous, right? Just because we have an explanation for something we did doesn't mean we did the right thing. Actually, it's, it's not in our eyes, but rather in the eyes of God. This is the one who made everything, who made us, who made the world, and he knows what is truly right. He knows the way life works. He knows the way we ought to live. And I want to talk about righteousness, and I want to give a dynamic. Because as we've been talking about righteousness, we've been thinking about righteousness between us and God, right? 
what you might call a vertical dimension. But righteousness is actually two-dimensional. It's not just the righteousness of between us and God, but it's us and all the other people around us, right? So to be righteous in the full sense means all of our relationships are going the right way. We're doing the right thing. Things are going well. With God, but with our family, with our siblings, with our friends, with our parents, right? That, that's two-dimensional righteousness. That's what Jesus is talking about, this kind of full righteousness. It's not something simple. It's complex. But in order to also kind of get another understanding of what I think he means by righteousness, uh, the game we played tonight, okay, it's, it was a knockout version of Ships and Sailors. I'll admit it, right? It was called Leaves and Lattes, right? I try to make it interesting and fall-like. But as you play that game, you're worried about two things, right? One, doing what the person calls out, right? So if I call it a command, you are worried about doing that, right? That's the vertical dimension of righteousness. If God says this is right for you to do on your own, you're thinking about that. But also in that game, there were commands where you needed two or three people to do them, right? And all of a sudden, when I said those things, you were worried about, who am I going to find to do this with, right? I'm not, I don't want to get left out. I don't want to be in that group of four, and then you're all out. That's that second dimension to righteousness. That's that horizontal righteousness, right? Imagine that. And that's just a game that we played tonight. But actually, there's more at stake, as we'll see, in terms of actual righteousness in our lives. But that gives you an idea of what Jesus is getting at when he says, righteousness. And he says that you're blessed if you hunger and thirst for it, which sounds really strange. But I want to ask us tonight, I want you to spend some time reflecting on what is it you actually want? What is it you hunger and thirst for? So we, we've written down some things on, a, on an index card, right? You might look at those and you might think, yeah, that's what I hunger and thirst for. You might not have been able to figure it out, but it's things that we want, and I think whatever we writ, we, we've written on our index cards, one of the things that often lies behind those things is we want things to go well. We want to be accepted. We want to be loved. We want to be thought well of, right? We want things to go rightly. And that's a dimension to righteousness, right? That's part of it. But oftentimes when we think about these things that we want, most of the time we think, I want this thing, now I have to be the one to go out and get it. I have to be the one to make it happen for myself, right? And Jesus actually says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. And here's the reality. If, if, if we could satisfy, if these people could satisfy themselves with righteousness, they wouldn't be hungry or thirsty, right? Jesus would have said, blessed are you if you can satisfy yourself when you want righteousness. But he didn't say that. He said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. What would it look like if you and I got up tomorrow and hungered and thirsted for righteousness in our relationship with God and in our relationship with other people? How would we treat others different? How, how would we treat our time differently? What would we go after? What decisions would we make differently? Right? And this is certainly something we can pray for. We can ask God to help us hunger and thirst for righteousness. It's a good prayer to have. And even as we're praying that, that's actually indicating that we do want righteousness because we're trying to be in a right relationship with God. Um, I want you to do this. I want you to write down on your index card somewhere just the word righteousness. If you don't know how to spell it, it's up there on the board. Pretty sure I got it right. So you can spell check me later. So write down on your paper somewhere righteousness. If you don't have your room, find, find some room. Yeah. Just try to find it somewhere. Circle the letters as they appear in other words. <laughs> Do your own little word search. So, 
I want you to write that down on your paper because, as God's word says, actually it's something that we should hunger and we should thirst for. So we've seen, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. But that's not all there is in that verse, and that's actually really good news. Because without that, we're just left being hungry and thirsty. And again, nobody likes that, right? We would think if we're just left being hungry and thirsty for this righteousness, which is like the way that life works best, the thing we want most in all the world, if we're left there, that's really bad. But the good news is that's not the end of the verse, right? It says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. So if those who are blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, the why, the why they're blessed is because they shall be filled. So those who hunger and thirst will get what it is they want eventually. They will be filled. This word literally means to be stuffed. Anybody ever use that word when you eat, right? You say like, I'm stuffed or things like that. That's what the word is, to be stuffed, to be satisfied. Think back to a time this week when all, you know, all of you raised your hands. You were hungry or thirsty. What did it seem like? What did it feel like to finally get what you needed, whether it was water or whether it was food, to be satisfied? Now, when we think of the word satisfied or satisfaction or satisfying, we probably think about like cheap internet videos today, right? Like these very like most satisfying accounts where we watch people cut sand or we watch people do things like that. Does anybody watch those? Yes? Satisfying videos? Yeah, right? That's certainly a definition of satisfying. It's fun to watch. We like that it works in order. We like that it takes some of our time. But the satisfying idea here is so much bigger than that. It's not just, okay, sand works right when I cut it, but it's that all of life fits into place. And that's something I think the more we reflect on it, the more we actually would want life to do. It's not some simple, distractedly feeling good but it's a world where we're right with God and right with other people in the way we were meant to be. And this verse says that the people who hunger and thirst will be fully satisfied, will be filled. But that kind of leaves us wondering, well, how is this going to happen? Especially if we can't fill ourselves with this righteousness. I mean, I don't know about you, but every time I try to be right with God or right with others, I find myself continuing to do the wrong thing. Continuing to go against God, continuing to disobey him, continuing to sin. It's a word we use. So how will they be filled? I want you to notice two things. Uh, first, what, for, for, for just a little bit of an English lesson, right? What, what is the tense here? Is it past tense, present tense, future tense? Somebody tell me. Future. Future, right? Future tense, good. They shall be filled. It's going to happen. But that doesn't mean it happens yet. It's not immediate. Second, this verb is what we call passive. Does anybody know what it means to have a passive verb? Yes, something is done to you, right? It's not saying they shall satisfy and fill themselves. It's saying they shall be satisfied, meaning somebody is coming and doing that for them, doing what they can't do for themselves, right? And we saw another, last time we saw another passive of, of something happening to people. It's, it's the fact that somebody comes and will satisfy them, and that someone is God. That for those who truly hunger and thirst for righteousness... They shall be filled, and God will make it happen. But the question is, how does this happen, right? How does it happen now? How will it happen later? How can we be both vertically righteous with God and horizontally righteous with other people? How does that work? Well, the answer is this, that we are satisfied, that we are filled with someone else's righteousness. We're not filled with our own, because the, let's face it, we're not righteous. 
The Old Testament talks about our righteousness, us trying to be right with God and right with other people, as filthy rags. We're not righteous on our own. But the good news is we are filled with somebody else's righteousness. And it's the righteousness of the very one who spoke these words in Matthew. That is Jesus. We're filled with the righteousness of Jesus. Because Jesus was a man. He lived a life, but he lived a perfectly righteous life. Perfectly good in his relationship with his heavenly father, but also perfectly good and righteous in his relationship with all of those around him. This is the righteousness, the perfect righteousness that we were talking about. He lived that. And he gives you that righteousness if you have faith in him. There's a term we use, a fancy term called imputed, which just means if you have faith, that righteousness becomes yours. Just by having faith in Jesus, not because of anything you've done. And think about, think about once again the game we played, right? The knockout version of Ships and Sailors, Leaves and Lattes. Imagine if somebody, so Jonathan was our winner. Imagine if he, right, at the, at the very end, gives the victory to you. Because he had, he had done everything perfectly. He had lived perfectly in terms of the, the vertical righteousness of doing all the commands that I said. And then every time he needed to get into a group, he was always in the right number of group, right? Imagine if you, who got out at the very beginning in the game on the first command, he just hands you the victory, right? Now, that would be pretty amazing for a, a game like that. But imagine that in real life with that true two-dimensional righteousness that we're talking about. Because that's what happened. Christ lived a perfect life. And he took your place. Instead, he died the death that our disobedience, our unrighteousness deserves. He did that for us so that we would get the gifts that his righteousness deserves. Life and health, faith, but not health in this life, not perfect righteousness in this life. Because remember, it's future. They shall be filled. That there's a way that as soon as we have the righteousness of Christ, we're immediately right with God. And God is continuing to work in this world so that one day there will be a world where righteousness dwells. That's the way the New Testament talks about it. Christ took on our punishment on himself on the cross, but was resurrected to do life to show us that there's a future waiting for us and that his righteousness is ours and the perfect righteousness that we so desire, that we hunger for, that we thirst for, that's coming in the new heavens and the new earth. That's coming. In many ways, this verse is the core of these, first, of these beatitudes in, in Matthew. Because beforehand, it talks about being poor in spirit. It talks about mourning over sin and over sin in the world. It talks about being meek, right? And they lead up to this. If we think about all those things, we really get, we really get the sense of the fact that we hunger and thirst for this righteousness that we don't have. And then from there, as we'll see in future Sunday nights, we move out to the things that we do, as, as, the way we live by making peace, by showing mercy, things like that. But this is the core. Just as Christ's death for us and his righteousness that is now ours is the core of our faith. So I want you to take the index card and I want you to circle the word righteousness. Because it's a completely different thing than everything on that list. Everything that we want, that we try so hard to find and so often can't get, the righteousness that we truly long for, that these people hunger and thirst for, that's given to us in Christ. You know, it's really amazing that one of the ways God has portrayed this to us is actually through eating and drinking, right? Here he talks about the metaphor of hungering and thirsting for righteousness. But one of the ways God gives his people to, 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 to show them God's grace over and over again is communion, where we come up to the Lord's table and we eat and we drink, right? And just for that bit, we're actually satisfied. And it's showing us that even as we're physically doing that, God is showing us what's spiritually happening. We're feeding on what Christ has done for us. And it's a gift, 
Because I don't know about you, but I need to be reminded of this righteousness that's given to me all the time. I need this week after week. And the good news is it's given to us. And the good news that's even better is that eventually we shall be perfectly filled in the new heavens and the new earth where righteousness dwells. In closing, I want to think about a picture of righteousness that the Bible gives us. Not in the New Testament, believe it or not, but actually way back in the Old Testament because there's a prophet named Zechariah. And this prophet Zechariah has a vision. And this vision, I think, does a really fantastic way of showing us what it means for God to give us righteousness, to be filled with a righteousness that's not our own. So Zechariah has this vision of the high priest at the time named Joshua. And Joshua is standing there in filthy robes, it describes. He's, he's standing there in God's presence with filthy robes. And he, he's, he can't stand in his own righteousness. And what actually happens is God clothes him with new clothes. This is what it says. Then he showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord, and Satan standing in his right hand to accuse him. Now Joshua was standing before the angel, clothed with filthy garments. And the angel said to those who were standing before him, Remove the filthy garments from him. And he said, Behold, I have taken your iniquity, that is your sin, away from you, and I will clothe you with pure vestments. And he said, Let them put a clean turban on his head, so they put a clean turban on his head, and clothed him with garments. And the angel of the Lord was standing by That shows the idea of what actually happens in the New Testament when we have faith in Christ. The fact that all of our unrighteousness actually is taken away and we were given new righteous robes in Christ. There are many things that we want in this life, many things that we desire. But the one true promise I can tell you is that if you truly hunger and thirst for righteousness, a righteousness that you can't fulfill on your own, a righteousness that you can't do, the good news is Christ has come and gives you his righteousness. And as Jesus said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. That's my hope for us. That's my prayer for us, is that we would hunger and thirst for that righteousness and see that only Christ truly satisfies. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the words of Jesus here recorded for us. Thank you for the way that he spoke. Thank you for the way that he lived a perfect, righteous life. Thank you that that righteousness is ours only by faith. Thank you for that love that you showed us through him, that great gift. Lord, would you help us to be moved evermore by that righteousness, continue to be changed by the love you've shown us. Oh Lord, help us to hunger and thirst for righteousness with you and our relationships with one another. Would that play itself out this week, Lord? Would you help us to choose your righteousness rather than our unrighteousness? Lord, bless our time as we go tonight and bless our week. In Jesus' name, amen.